Beautiful people, what is going on? I am your host, Armand Lee, thanking and welcoming each of you to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. This is episode 122. Thanks as always for joining me this week. So much to address, including I finally saw the Joker movie. And last week I ranked my top five without seeing it. I'm going to update you guys on my uh, power rankings, if you will, if there was any changes, and my overall thought on the film and why movies, Warner Brothers and DC Comics specifically, need to do a better job at studying the Netflix Marvel shows that were recently canceled. I'm going to discuss that. Plus, man, prayers, prayers, prayers up to Errol Spence. A story... A, a story that was potentially tragic, but a story of inspiration that was cut short, man. And a life lessons, life lesson, I should say, that we all can draw from, man. We got so much to discuss in such a little time. So without further ado, the first topic this first quarter, I owe someone an apology. Yep. I am about to offer up a mea culpa and I will explain why, but before I get into who and why I'm issuing an apology, I want you guys to understand, man, I, I'm trying to do sports in a different way. I don't like the embrace debate culture. So very rarely will you see me argumentative with someone else. We could disagree and it will be authentic, right? If I have a guest and we may uh, clash on a certain topic or so, but it, it, I hope that the interview process is not just something where, all right, man, you you take one side, I take another, right? Because that, that doesn't really move me as someone who loves sports. And also, there is an oversaturation of that type of sports commentary. So I'm trying to give out sports the way I like it. You feel me? Some of you may not, it may not work for you. Others, and hopefully, it works for many of you, Okay. But I hope to do it and present sports in a way that is entertaining, number one, but keeps my integrity as someone who, who truly does love sports. However, another thing about the sports landscape as a whole, and at least in our society, is that, man, people, they just really don't admit when they were wrong. Like some people will just fight, and y'all can think of probably four or five just off the top of your head, you know? They pick a side and they just stay on it. Shout out to Slim Charles, bro. Big G. If it's a lie, we gonna stand on that lie. We gonna fight on that lie. Nah. We should be better than that. If I'm wrong, I get up here every week talking to this microphone, talking to each and every one of you, and I give you my thoughts. And if my thoughts were proven wrong, dog, it's not that much to be like, damn, I had that one wrong. My bad. That shouldn't be such a, you know, gigantic ask of anyone. But for whatever reason in sports, people just really don't admit when they were wrong. It's almost as if like it, it's a it's a sign of defeat. And no, it's not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it really isn't that serious. Truly. So again, in keeping my integrity and in, in providing a platform that I would want as a consumer of sports in this country you understand and shout out to all my listeners internationally man finland 
as the listeners from Finland recently. Shout out to y'all. Germany, France, UK, y'all always hold me down, man. Much love to you guys. But how American sports is covered, it's 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 as if the commentators, right, the analysts, they have the egos the size of the athletes. <laughs> nah, Joe, that's not really the way it works, at least not for me. And hopefully y'all can rock. But I wanted to provide that level of context before I issue my apology to one Ted Leonsis. Dog, early part of 2019, I was I was done. You know, I listened to 106.7 The Fan, 980, and a bunch of people who love hockey, who love hockey, and that's not, that's not a shot on hockey. Playoff hockey is among the most entertaining sports professionally that I can think of. I'm not a fan of the sport, per se. I'm not going to just sit down and watch, ooh, the Caps are playing the Stars. Let me check this. That's just not me. Not knocking it if that is you. It's just not me. However, because the people who have all the radio shows and the people who have all of the television shows, they almost, it's, it's almost monolith in a way. All of these people have the same interests. And most times it starts with the Capitals. So there was just a lack of heat on Ted Leonsis to start the year, particularly as someone who loves the NBA and spends a lot of money and a lot of time and energy focusing on the Wizards. So I took my shots as Ted Leonsis because I was like, dog, you are an amazing, by all accounts, you know, you're an amazing hockey owner. But when it comes to the NBA, you are lacking. Like, and that's putting it mildly. I said it at the top of the year, and I stood by it. I was like, dog, Ted is not, Ted is doing a disservice to the basketball community in D.C., and let's keep it funky. The basketball community in D.C., dog, we don't, if you don't have to be a major social science, the basketball community in D.C., despite the product, is much larger. Dwarfs the hockey product in the city, in the surrounding areas. Let's not, you understand, like, it's, it's a known that's an, it's an unsaid known thing, right? Like, we all know, and we all know why. The demographics. Like, it's almost like it's a buzzword. Like, people are afraid to speak on these things. But it's known. It's just un, It just goes unsaid. But here's the danger of those type of things. Things that are known that we just won't say. At some point, a, a new crop of individuals, of humans, will come up. And if it's never told things that we all think are obvious... Well, we never said it. We never told anybody this. So now it becomes, oh my God, what? Hockey's not diverse? What? You understand what I'm saying? Perfect example. I'll give y'all a life lesson on this. My daughter, bless her heart, I love her. I love her to death. There isn't anything in the world that I love more than my daughter. It's just truly the apple of my eye. My daughter is unlike me in a lot of different ways, though, right? I, when I was a kid, like, it probably started at this age. I was always wrecking, like, always in a scrap. Just, you know, I wasn't a bad kid at all. Wasn't bad at all. Followed instructions, listened to my teachers, was respectful. You understand? If you've ever met me, pretty much the same way now as I was as a child, just entirely bigger. You understand what I'm saying? But... And this is something that my parents taught me, right? People will treat you the way you allow them to. 
my pops, my mom, everybody in my life who I, as an elder, would tell me, if someone put their hands on you, you hit them back. I was like, bet, I got the green light? So that was it. Never in my life did I start a fight. Never. But damn, did I get in lots of fights. I'm talking about from the fourth grade all the way up, probably stopped my sophomore year in high school because at some point people realized, okay, Armand will fight. And it just stopped happening. My daughter, there used to be little kids in their schools, and they'll push her, and they may, like, you know, whatever the case may be. And she'll tell me, like, Daddy, you know, these bullies at school, they hit me or they pushed me. And I was like, Baby, did you hit them? Now, to be fair, for all y'all out there, I tell my daughter this, this right handed guy, I'm like, Look, if someone puts their hands on you, you tell the teacher first, okay? But if that same person puts their hand on you a second time, it is incumbent upon you now to defend and protect yourself. Tell my daughter this over and over again. And she will stand fast, not hit someone because she's like, I don't want to hurt them. Daddy, I don't want to get in trouble. I literally have to, I like, baby, we will go to Red Lobster if you hit such and such again. Or if this, if this girl hits you and you hit her back, oh my gosh, we'll, you, I will reward you. Okay. I say all of that to say the other day I'm talking to the teacher. She was like, you know, Chloe told me the other day or she overheard Chloe talking to the little girl. My daddy said, if you hit me, I get to punch you in the face. And I was like, yeah. But that thought to me in the, in, in the educator was telling me, you know, that's something that you probably, you know, Chloe shouldn't be saying. <laughs> you feel me? Now, for me, I was like, dog, we, we, we accomplished something. You understand? She letting these youngers know. I'll lay your ass out. She didn't say that. My baby don't curse. But you feel me? It finally dawned on her. And like, yeah, my dad told me to do this. Them girls left her alone. You understand? But I never told my daughter not to say that. And I'm not even upset that she said it. You know what I mean? But she doesn't need to say, oh, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You know? But I never told her not to. So, again, it's uh, something that to me seemed obvious. Like, I'm telling you this so you understand how to protect yourself. I'm not telling you this so you didn't tell the people so they don't hit you, right? But in my mind, it's like, dog, when I was a kid, I got the green light. Bet I want y'all to hit me. Watch what I do back to you. Blah. You feel me? But that goes to illustrate my point. Sometimes, right, things seem completely obvious to us. It just goes without saying. We don't have to say it. The danger is that next generation. Because if we continue to act as if these things are just obvious and they're known without having to be said, man, that's a dangerous game of Russian roulette. But anyway, back to the point. I gave Ted the answers. I, I, I gave him a piece of my mind, man. I thought he was, was underperforming as the owner of the basketball team. I thought he wasn't on his game. He, the, the city deserved more. The city deserved better. Fast forward to this past week. And not just because the Mystics won a WNBA championship, because they went to the WNBA finals last year. Shout out and congratulations to the Mystics, right? Despite the fact that people on the radio act like they don't exist. No, we're not doing that. I may not be the biggest WNBA fan, but I definitely enjoy the product. I pay attention to it from time to time. And bigger still, this is an accomplishment. These women put their busted behinds. They set all types of offensive records this past season. Again, 
I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm an expert on all things WNBA. I'm not. Please don't mistake this for me trying to get up on a soapbox and pretending like I'm the, the, the head of the bandwagon. No, I'm not. But they deserve credit. And credit where credit is due. However, that also goes out to one Ted Leonsis. Because not only did he bring a second championship in three years to D.C., something that if you were to go back three years before the Capitals won, would have felt like a fairy tale. Like you couldn't have foreseen that happen. But what he has done with the Wizards, and look, man, shout out to my Wizards, to the Wizards fans out there. Enjoy this year. As a Knicks fan, I have seen all of the negatives about a rebuild or a Fox rebuild, a fake rebuild, right? A faux rebuild as the cool way, right? The Knicks have been doing everything except for actually embracing a rebuild for the better part of 20 years. We've got all of the negatives to go along with the rebuild without any of the positives, right? We don't, we don't value the draft for a large period of time. We don't uh, develop our young players. We don't try to establish a culture. We always try to take the shortcut. Last year was the first time that we truly embraced a rebuild, right? We acquired picks, multiple picks. We developed our young players. We didn't try to make a big time free agent splash. And last year was fun. I think we found somebody in Mitchell Robinson. I hope, I hope that he continues upon this trajectory. I would love for Mitch to be the East Coast American version of Rudy Gobert. And that's, that's asking a lot. I think Rudy's one of the 12 best players in this league. It's asking a lot. But damn it, I think he has the ability and the potential to do so. Last year was fun. We lost a lot of games last year. And we didn't even get the number one overall pick. But it was cool, right? I enjoyed last season. And for Wizards fans, I'm telling you, this year, enjoy it. You're going to be further along than we were because you have two good players you already know bradley bill thomas bryant are really good nba players you already have them now it's about finding the pieces to fit around you don't have to worry about the pressure of advancing in the playoffs you don't have to worry about everybody eats all of that stuff is behind you everything you don't have to worry about contracts nah doesn't matter you guys are not trying to win this season you're trying to develop and establish a culture and that tone was set from the very, very top. And Ted deserves credit for that. I was wrong. Ted Leonsis ain't listening to my podcast. So it wasn't like I said something that he heard and it rung a bell. Nah, that's not it. He knew he was on some BS. He knew he was faking. And when it comes to people that wealthy, that powerful, they typically have egos. And when you have wealthy, powerful egotistical people it's hard for them to reverse course ask the fans from ashburn they know all about that but ted did it i can't speak to the wizards just yet but i like the culture i like what they're establishing i like that they are defining themselves they are creating an identity we'll see if their young players develop but we they do have two we know that for a fact brian and bill they have those two players. So we'll see what happens with Brad. But enjoy this year because the team and the owner has invested properly. This whole, this whole monumental sports, every it feels like every two weeks there's another new hire. 
smart people, people who seemingly have a plan, who understand the ever-changing landscape of competitive professional sports. That's dope. That's super dope. And because Ted Leonsis has done it, and it is working, you are seeing it work in real life, starting with the Capitals, moving down to the Mystics, and now we anticipate and we hope positive things from the Wizards. It's momentum. It's momentum. I know a lot of people don't believe in it. I'm not one of them. I definitely believe in creating good habits, creating positive vibes, and creating that positive momentum. I, 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 I subscribe to it to the fullest. If you ever started to eat healthy, right? And start to exercise. When you start to eat healthy, it seems like it's easier to exercise. But once you start exercising, man, it feels easier to, to you know, start visualizing positive things and then you, you clean the house more and then you you know maybe you save a little bit more money because you're eating healthier and you're making your food so you start saving money and then you you start taking care of yourself better not just physically but emotionally mentally right you start with the small things and little by little it builds you can call it whatever you want i like to call it momentum and now in dc like i said it was it would have been a fairy tale just three years ago three plus years ago to expect that DC would have two professional championships in the course of three years. And now look at the Nets at the time of this recording, they're up two nothing on the Cardinals of all teams in the NLCS after going to Los Angeles and beating the Dodgers in dramatic fashion, comeback fashion. This team dog, it's easy to get poetic when you talk about sports, and I try not to. And I try to stay away from the quote-unquote team of destiny type of thing. But Slim, like if they pull this off, and now you're just six games away, how else would you define it? Seriously. It's the momentum. I believe in it. And DC, it, it, it is a buzz. I got to tell you, man, I'll give you some personal, some more, another personal antidote. Y'all know I have a history in sports. I love sports. Sports is something that I've always loved since I was a child. I'm now currently in news, okay? And it's amazing to see how sports can bring an entire city, an entire area together. I don't know if there's anything that compares to sports in that way. Like, I was thinking possibly music, but even music is very segregated when you think about it. You know what I mean? Like, it just is. You listen to the radio station with black DJs, and then you listen to the radio station with Latino DJs, and you listen to the radio stations that have white DJs, and by and large, they're playing three different, completely types of music, right? Now, there are some overlays, and that works. Like, if you go to a concert, depending on who you want to see, right, they're... they're can be a very diverse field crowds of people and that's a beautiful thing okay but if i'm a gary clark jr fan and you are an oasis fan i don't know how close we're going to be just off the strength of music right there has to be some type of overlap however in sports it doesn't work that way got a buddy of my former co-worker of my buddy got brad Bodie from milwaukee right he would talk to me about hockey you know, I'm not a hockey guy. So 
He talked about college basketball. I'm not a college basketball boss, basketball guy. But you know what happened over time? We're working together over years. You start to talk to them. You develop a friendship. You get to know people. That doesn't happen. And I don't know where else that happens. I'm in a newsroom. Okay? I don't... There's, there are a few people. It, it's the old lunchroom theory, right? I'm pleasant. I speak to everybody that I work with. Don't dislike anyone. Okay? But there is a different vibe when I see someone who looks like me. Not that I'm racist. Not that I dislike anybody who's not black. But it's just different. In, in my old job in sports, out some of my best friends. I talk, I shout out my guy Ian McCoy all the time. It's a lifelong friend that I have. I kind I don't talk to him. We don't talk that much. But we can we communicate via text and emails. This has been going on for years now. I was at the man's wedding. If the Lord ever calls upon me to get married, I trust he's gonna be there. And it's a lifelong friendship. When I head up to New York, I'm gonna see him again. And is super white. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But again, one of my closest friends, my buddy Ario Ogami, known this brother for God knows how long. You know, in, in, in sports, man, the it's not even just civic pride because I'm not even from DC. I don't, I don't have favorite teams from DC. Okay, but it's just something about sitting or watching athletes that it just cuts through all of the other stuff all of the manufacturer all the process things that always tries to weigh us down man and sports is a beautiful thing that way and it's, it's it's even more illuminating in my current position because i'm not in it every day so I can, i'm almost kind of seeing it from afar and it's a powerful beautiful thing man and the momentum that's happening in dc man i i, I promise you i'm not trying to Wax poetic. I'm not trying to sound super deep. It's just real, man. Whatever it is, and I hope it keeps on going. I'm not a baseball fan, okay? I could care less about the Nats, but I shouldn't even say that anymore because now I want them to continue this run because it's pulling me and it's drawing me, and I'm not a Nats fan. I just enjoy all of what's coming along with it, and it's something to see. I'm not saying that the Nets winning is because of Ted Leonsis. That would be foolish. But he started something with the Caps. He started something with the Caps in 2018. I truly believe it. And now it's incumbent upon all these other teams that continue to build upon it. The Mystics did. I truly feel like the Wizards are on the right track now. They have a lot of important decisions to make. Right? Again, this is the easy part. Hitting the reset button. What they do after that, that's where it gets tricky. But they have put smart, informed people in place of making those decisions. And from all of the available information that we have, right, you can only trust that smart moves will be made. Right? We don't know if it's gonna if they're gonna hit a home run. We don't know if they're gonna have a setback. But at least the smart people are in charge as opposed to the previous 16, however many years. And then in baseball with the Nets, it's amazing to see where they are now as opposed to how things started this, this season. I truly believe momentum is a real thing. And no, the Nets are not drawing from Ted Leonsis. But many Nets fans are Caps fans. And Caps fans are Wizards fans to some degree. 
And Wizards fans and Mystics fans probably have a lot of overlap, man. And it's a beautiful thing. So, Ted, I was wrong, bro. You know? Well, I'm not going to say I was wrong. You were trash. Keeping Ernie Grunfeld in charge as long as you did was beyond disgraceful. But you changed that. And not only did you change it, you didn't rest on your laurels. You were like, no, we need a, a full reconstruction. And that's exactly what's happened with monumental sports, monumental basketball. And I'm excited. I'm excited to go check out the Wizards, man. I checked out the Mystics for my, you know, this past summer. It was, a, it was a dope experience. And let's hope that it continues. Because, man, D.C. is a beautiful city. It's a beautiful area, man. I'm not from here. I don't. I, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. So let's hope that this this momentum right continues, because man, when when DC is popping, dog, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's a sight to see. It's a sight to see. It's a shame that the Mystics didn't get a parade, but it's coming in the spring. Man, I love to see the Nats get a parade, and maybe just maybe. Years down the line, right? Speaking into existence, Wizards fans, y'all can finally have something to cheer about too. I want to hear from you guys, man. What do y'all think about Teleontis, right? Or is or am I too early on heaping praise on him? You let me know. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. I'm on Twitter. Or you can leave a message, right? Go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Write me a note, leave me a message, a review, however you want to break it down, and ask me a question there, man. I'm really, really into interacting with you all. I want to hear what you guys have to say, and I want to answer some of your questions. So hit me up on all those different avenues. I would love to hear from you. All right, guys, that's the first quarter. We're going to move forward. I told you about where I was wrong, but y'all know me, okay? Y'all know if there's a yin, there's a yang. So allow me to flex on a part on something where I was right. So our second topic this week. Second quarter. So the first quarter of this week, I admitted, you know what? Your boy had something wrong. Okay? And I'm not, I hope that I'm never at a point where I'm too proud that I can't check myself with like, dog, I was wrong. Right? It won't be the first time and it damn sure won't be the last. But again, allow me to flex because if I don't let everybody know when I had something right, Dog, that joint would just go on like like a sound in the woods, right? Nobody pays attention to it, right? No, it, it didn't happen. What's the saying? If if a, if a tree falls in the woods and no one is there to hear it, did it happen? Nah, damn it. I'm not going to be one of those. I'm going to let y'all Bamas know. And I'm talking about in the NFL. Because last season, when everybody continued to, to use this whole, hey, man, you need a quarterback to win. Oh, my God, don't ever draft. What were the Giants doing drafting Saquon in the first round? All that stuff. Hold on, bro. You checking a look? You look around? You see who's among the front runners for MVP? If, if the season ended right now, the two guys who would be leading the charge for a most valuable player would be a quarterback taken in the third round and a running back, a white one at that, drafted in the first. However you want to break it down. The idea of drafting running backs or not drafting running backs in the first round, I understand, okay? 
Like, hey, we could get similar value later in the draft. I get that. I truly do. But that is not unique to the position of running back. That's all I've ever said. If you feel that you can get similar talent later in the draft, do so. No matter the position. I would say running back should be among the, the last of that because of how little you have to pay, how small the window is. So if I have six, seven years of an elite level running back, I'm not going to roll the dice that I can still get that in the third, fourth round. I know that if I get Ezekiel Elliott, I he can lead the league in rushing for however many yards. Now, not going to last. It's not going to last. But I'm also not going to spend the same amount of money on him that I would for Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. Have you seen Jared Goff? They just paid old boy. Look at the value that you could have got from Goff. And didn't Dak come out the same year? Like, come on. Andrew Luck, RG3, same year as Russell Wilson. Drew Brees, second round quarterback. I mean, look, I get Ed McCaffrey is an anomaly, if you want to say that, right? But that's the point. So too is Patrick Mahomes. Look at some of the recent first round quarterbacks drinking. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes are among the two guys right now that you would be like, yo, okay. Now, I, I think Carson Wentz is really good, but he's always hurt. Jared Goff, I've never been a believer in him. So Watson and Mahomes have kind of separated themselves from the quote-unquote young crop of NFL quarterbacks. Jameis Winston, I know what time it is with you. Marcus Mariota, you got bench for Ryan Tannehill. It's been coming. Bro, I know what time it is with these guys. Baker Mayfield is still early. But bro, I'm sick of seeing you on all these commercials. Go a game without throwing a pick. Sam Darnold, bro, you got mono, Slim. You 20, you what's USC and you just, <laughs> you feel me? Come on, Slim. I know what time it is. Bama's with Sice and Danny, Daniel Jones. And some of these guys, to be fair, it's still early in their careers, okay? So I don't want to jump too hard on anybody one way or the other. I'm, I know what time it is with Patrick Mahomes, and I've, I've been knowing what time it is with Deshaun Watson. This is in the quarterback, this is in the quarter, I should say, to talk about those two quarterbacks and why they are in the positions that they are in, why they were drafted where they were drafted, okay? Mitchell Trubisky, come on. So again, if we're talking about, look at the, the, the you know, how the value, we're seeing quarterbacks come in. It's the boy um, from Carolina, Allen. He won the first-round quarterback. He comes in. They haven't lost yet. Like, this this entire idea that the only position that you could get value in later in the draft is the running back is absurd. And what you're seeing from Christian McCaffrey is, is the evolution. This dude is literally their entire offense. And he's one of the reasons why your former number one overall pick at quarterback can go down and you don't miss a beat. The defense still is playing well. Now, look, do I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a 10-year career? No. They're running him the ball entirely too much. He means that much to the team. But that's precisely my point. 
Run him until you, there's nothing left. Run him until all the juice is gone. And then you make another move. If you do it with quarterbacks, man, you get stuck in no man's land so much. If you have a good one, you got to spend so much money that you can't really address other areas of your team. If you have an okay one, you squint hard enough and you think that you got a franchise quarterback. See Minnesota, see Detroit, see Atlanta, okay, right? You squint hard enough, man. Yo, Matt Ryan is among the elite. No, he's not. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in this league. Kyle Shanahan left. What the hell happened to Matt Ryan? That's a question we all have been asking, right? Kirk Cousins puts up real pretty numbers. And then when you have to win a game, when you got to do it, his ass falls short. I know he just won two weeks in a row. Congratulations. Holla at me back in December. Holla at me in December. This is my entire point. If you draft a running back, yeah, you got to make sure you draft a good one for sure. But if you do, man, it, set, it changes everything for your organization. Everything. From a financial standpoint, from a defense, from a time of possession standpoint, Look, look at the teams who are leading the league in rushing. Last year, the Patriots, I think they were like top five. Seahawks, this year and last year. Same with the Patriots. The Bears. The 49ers. The Ravens. Look at the teams who, um, who are among the league leaders in rushing yards this season. Rushing attempts. Rushing yards per game. However you want to break it down. The idea and these guys on the radio in D.C., and I'm sure it happens wherever you are as well, they keep on saying, oh, my gosh, this archaic offense is in the NFL. You, you got to throw the ball. Running game. The running game is a, is, a, uh, is a thing of the past. And they conveniently forget that the Patriots were among the five best running teams in the league in terms of yards per game and attempts. They currently are among the best running games teams in the league. Yards and attempts. The Seahawks, 5-1, yards and attempts. Hell, the Saints last season. The Saints were among the best. The Rams. Everybody loves Jared Goff. Jared Goff looks a hell of a lot different when a healthy Ty Gurley is not pounding the rock. I'm not saying you got to just run, 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 run. For sure, change up the offense. Have some exotic, you know, designs. Get those chunk yards that typically don't happen on the ground. But the idea that if you run the ball a lot, you're playing in a in a far gone era, in, a, in an era that has passed you by, it's just not true. It's just not true. The Patriots had a first round running back last season, Sonny Michelle. Nobody said anything. The Rams had a first round running back, Ty Gurley. The moment he stopped playing at an elite level, that entire team changed. The entire team. I can't be the only one who notices these things because these, these narratives continue to exist. Narratives that should be easily shot down. Imagine how foolish you would be if you passed on Ed McCaffrey thinking that you could get similar value later in the draft. There is no similar value. You show me who else is doing what Ed McCaffrey is doing. Because I can show you, I don't think Dak is this great quarterback. I never thought he was, even when he started off red hot. 
But his numbers and Jared Goff's and Carson Wentz, they're similar. We've seen it. We've heard the comparisons. You understand what I'm saying? Andrew Luck was looked upon as the next John Elway. Look at what Russell Wilson is doing. You can make the comparison between first-round quarterbacks and, and quarterbacks taken in the second, third, fourth round. It's easily done. It happens all the time. There is So, yeah, Ann McCaffrey is an outlier. But so, too, is Patrick Mahomes. Okay? He's, he's, he's one, too. You understand what I'm saying? And when you look at quarterbacks taken at the end of the first, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, or the beginning of the second, Drew Brees. Like, my entire point is like, let's not just think of the running back position as something that can be found later in the draft. Every position should be looked upon that same way. Not just one. Like, if if you ever go into a draft saying, I'm never going to draft a running back in the first round, you're never going to find a, a Christian McCaffrey. You'll never find. Show me the guy. You feel me? Who's the last running back to, to win MVP? Adrian Peterson? And then what, LaDainian Tomlinson? I don't know, and I'm sure there has been. Tell me the running back who's won an MVP out of who was drafted out of the first round. Uh, you know what? Never mind. Terrell Davis. Damn. I was I felt real good about that one. And then it was like, nah, T D. <laughs> Welp. <laughs> there goes that argument. But damn it, Terrell Davis, that just happened like what, 98? It's like 21 years ago. Okay. We've we've seen quarterbacks who've drafted who's been drafted in the sixth round when multiple MVPs. And again, I'm not saying again, Tom Brady's an outlier, just like Christian McCaffrey, just like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. If you get one of those guys, for sure. Okay? Yes. You're catching lightning in the bottle. But my point is look at the 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 mass, the 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 majority of the selections. They're far more Baker Mayfields and Josh Allen's, JP Lossman's, you know, and whomever you just name Cleveland Brown quarterback from the 2000s. Those guys, Mark Sanchez, all those guys have they though like you you can't just forget about them. Yeah, there are a lot of bad running backs who have been drafted in the first round, but there are a lot of bad players drafted in the first round. And to just single out one position. Dog, that sounds unf- that's nuts. That's nuts. So, while everybody continues to find the next Aaron Rodgers, find the next Patrick Mahomes, find the next Peyton Manning, I'm cool. I'm cool with Tom, Russell, Drew, Garoppolo. I'm cool with them. I am. I'll keep rocking. But if you're going to pass on Christian, Zeke, then I'll take them too. And I'm fairly certain that my team is going to be better than yours. I want to hear from you, man. Let me know what do you guys think about passing on running backs in the first round. And look, don't just regurgitate what someone has told you. Think about it. I want to hear individual thoughts. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with me. 
understand that, okay? Just because you disagree with me does not then mean that you are not thinking by yourself. I'm not trying to, to establish that type of environment. I'm not trying to establish that as my talking point. That's not the case. But I do want to hear new, individual, unique thoughts when you hit me up, man. So email me at quarterly report at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterly show. It's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, that's the horn. So you know what time it is. It is halftime this week. And this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Last week, I told you guys about the Joker. I ranked my top five Jokers, even though I hadn't seen, right, the Joker movie. The most recent one was Joaquin Phoenix. So I saw it this Saturday, and I'm... I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to change my rankings. Maybe you could flip Leto and uh, or Leto and Phoenix if you want. But my biggest takeaway from this movie is, man, like, what the fuck? That's literally all I had to say. It was fine. You know, the last 40 minutes of the movie was by far the best of the movie. But it's an origin story on the Joker. And maybe I'm too inside the woods for this, but like, no one is asking for that. No one wants to know why the Joker is the way he is. It's just, like, it's such a reach. The entire movie is a reach. Plus, yo, I get it. DC Comics, they like to be like the, the darker, more, um, I don't know, the, the, the cartoons, the comics with a little bit of an edge, right? They're a little darker. They're not so happy-go-lucky even though Superman is. But, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Batman movies have had a, a more dark, a darker feel than the Marvel counterparts. However, this obsession with finding this the creepiness and the, the, the darkness of characters. Like, dog, y'all reaching. Like... I may have said this verbatim in last week's episode, but I'm going to say it again. Does anybody want to see the Flash movie with the slowest motherfucker on earth? Like, raise your hand if that movie intrigues you. Would you like to see an Aquaman movie with somebody who can't swim? Just a motherfucker just, just drowning. Bong. That's the movie. Do you want to see a Wolverine movie? with a non-violent protester, like someone who just does not want to fight. That's the Wolverine movie. Because y'all keep on trying to shovel a Joker movie who's not funny. That's part of the character. You can have this edginess, this sadistic, this maniacal, this type of crazed, deranged villain. All of that thing, all of those things are great. You still have to have the motherfucker be funny. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Oh, this whole it was this whole movie, and I, I'm not saying it was bad. It wasn't bad, right? I'm not going to give it the one thumbs down. I got to come up with my own, my own, you know, calling card. I'm not going to say the one thumbs down. We understand. God bless the dead. This for Ann Ebert. I'm gonna come up with something else. But the point is, it wasn't a bad movie. It just to me, it didn't do anything for me. That joint was just regular, regular for real. Y'all Bama sized that joint up so much. You understand what I'm saying? Like dog, like that movie was not that good, bro. It was all right. The 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 acting like Phoenix, he did a good job with what he was given. But Joe, nobody cares. They got the Joker in his movies gotta be in his mid-40s, if not older. Bruce Wayne in his movies like 13. I have no idea if they even are trying to make this into like a franchise. Who knows? But like <laughs> the motherfucker. 
the motherfucker is like, by the time Bruce Wayne, like, let's say he gets off his Batman thing at 25, the Joker gonna be damn near 60 years old, bro. Like, come on now, what we doing? Like, it was just a reach on every level, and and this is the thing that frustrates me the most. And I'm about to wrap this up because this halftime is going to go. This is almost like a quarter, but. Of all of, if you want to do comics with a dark edge, the blueprint has been made. And no, I'm not talking about the Christopher Nolan movies, which were amazing. You're not gonna be able to re replicate that. Those three movies were just something completely different. And I don't know if, especially so close to those three movies, if you'll be able to replicate, duplicate that type of magic. But we've seen it even more recently with a different type of franchise. Go ahead over to Netflix, bro. They still exist. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, those television shows, although like it ended poorly, right? No, I shouldn't say ended poorly, but it ended abruptly. They can depict, they did a fantastic job depicting kind of a sense of realness around and a sense of edginess around comics and superheroes. Like they did a good job of that. The Joker, that movie was, it was just, I don't know, bro. I was like, man, y'all go back to the drawing board with this. this. It just won't hit me. Again, the best part of the movie is once the Joker starts to embrace kind of his identity, his newfound confidence. And that's all part of the character. It's one of the reasons why I'm not as high on the Heath Ledger version as some of you all are. The Joker had swag. The Joker had charisma. The Joker was a... a, a a ladies man. He had people following him. Not because they, they, they like he was someone who it was like the Pied Piper. He got so many people to follow him because of the charisma. Heath Ledger was just awesome loner shit. And like I said, the Joker was a lady man. As far as we know, Heath Ledger could have been asexual. Like there's nothing in that movie, The Dark Knight, that suggests anything that's true to the character. Plus, and I'm gonna keep hammering the point home. The motherfucker is funny. The Joker is funny. Dog, what is, why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? It shouldn't be, right? Some, some Bamas, you understand? You stick to the script when it comes to the characters, okay? Iron Man has a lot of money. Bomb. I don't want to see the broke Iron Man. <laughs> I have no interest. Right? Spider-Man, the motherfucker can shoot webs out of his hands and stuff like that, or whatever. You got superhuman strength, all that stuff. Okay, like I'm not trying to see stink bug man. You know, stop it. Make the Joker funny, bro. That's the quarterly report, first ever quarterly report movie review. Again, y'all gotta forgive me. I'm gonna try to figure out, you know, my slogan. Two thumbs up. You know, the critic. If you guys are old enough, you watch the cartoon. The critic. He was like, it stinks. That was my shit too back in the day. I gotta figure something out. So, you know, forgive me for not having my trademark ready just yet. But I can assure you the next time we review a movie, it will be on deck. All right, guys, that was halftime this week. Again, a little bit different. But, hey, I'm already on vacation mode, baby. Just FYI, house cleaning note, there will not be a new episode of the Quarterly Report next week. I will be on vacation. My black ass is going to Hawaii, baby. Man, I'm talking about that joint is needed. But... There will not be an episode next week. So there's 122 other episodes for you guys to check out. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you tell a friend. 
Let them know about the Quarterly Report Podcast. Again, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podknife, wherever you listen to pods, man. Check us out. Download and subscribe and also rate and review. All right. That was halftime. Halftime adjustments have been made. We are going into the second half now, and it's about a story that just won't die, unfortunately, for the NBA. It's our third topic this week. Third quarter. I think when we all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, um, and we always talk. We, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only and you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe. Um, I don't want to get into a, a word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation at hand, and um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Man, sit your ass down. Oh, man. This just won't go away. And it hurts me to do this. As y'all know, I love LeBron. LeBron's one of my favorite athletes of all time. And... I initially wasn't going to touch this because, or touch it further, I should say. A few weeks ago, I addressed it when Daryl Morey first made his tweet. And I felt like the there was a lot of blame to go around, right? Number one, the NBA, because they like to present themselves as this progressive thinking, forward thinking, you know, for the culture type league. When in reality, they're just like any other major business corporation. They're about their bottom line. I also felt that Daryl Morey deserved a lot of blame for just flippantly tweeting something without truly knowing the ramifications that he was bringing upon not only himself, his team, but the entire league, his players, the players as well. But yo, I, let's keep it funky, man. This ain't good for LeBron. I don't know what he was thinking about. Now, look, look, look. There are some discrepancies. I think it is important, and again, we, we, we live in this kind of Twitter age and real brief, short attention span, and I'm even feeding into that because I'm only dedicating a certain amount of time on my podcast to talk about a really complex issue, an issue that, truth be told, I am not fully aware of. It's easy to be like, yo, what is the NBA doing? The NBA sounds nuts, and as a lot of you have pointed out, it's easy to say that when you're rocking your Nikes on your iPhone or watching your Samsung, you know, or whatever the case may be. So much of, bro, the toothpaste is out the jar. And that doesn't mean that we can just now turn a blind eye to everything, but we all play a part into this dynamic and this authoritarian government in China. And to some extent, as to why China is this powerhouse. But again, I can't speak intelligently on that issue. That's a large issue. That's a significant issue. And I'm not going, and, I, and honestly, y'all don't care about my issues on, you know, geopolitical uh, positions. I would, I would hope you wouldn't, right? Because I talk about sports and entertainment, you know? And there may be some things because I work in news now, and I didn't like to think of myself as a reasonably intelligent individual, but I'm assuming you are as well. 
So whatever it is that you want to know, I would hope that whether it's my podcast or any other podcast, that you do more than just listen to someone who in more, more times than not, most likely is a complete stranger. But I don't want to get into that. I want to get into LeBron and the NBA. And of course, this is now going with the season is a week away. And this has dominated everything. Think about think about what the storylines were up until two weeks, three weeks ago. We're talking Zion. We're talking Clippers. We're talking Lakers. Anthony Davis. Are the Warriors done? Ben Simmons, the Sixers. Is this the year for Giannis? Ken Russell, Westbrook, and Jay. Dog, we were talking about Shaq and Damian Lillard beefing. It was all good. The NBA, the NBA does fun better than anyone. I truly believe that. There are more fun things to talk about when it comes to the NBA than any other league. Just fun. They do fun extremely well. What they don't do is this. They don't do this well. And you can tell they have no idea. A dog chasing its tail. LeBron James correctly said, and I think this part is being lost in the, oh my God, did you hear how dumb LeBron sounded? Let's let's bash LeBron. Bro, like that's nasty, okay? And look, when, when Jay-Z came out of his mouth, initially I was like, I, I'd be, I, I said, against my better judgment, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. And then he continued to do and say dumb stuff, right? So I'm not in the I'm not in the business of just someone says something that I agree with and I just bash them. I, I try, I try to give people extend an olive branch, right? To see exactly where they're coming from. And one part about of LeBron's clip that I think is getting lost is when he says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing now, but you know, Daryl Morey was not aware or he 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 just wasn't informed about the financial, not only the financial issues, but the physical and emotional issues as well. And then it comes out later that LeBron and the Lakers were among the teams in China while all of this is happening. And I can imagine being away from home when all of this is happening and you start wondering about your safety or your family is wondering about your safety. And so the fact that he said physical, emotional, spiritual stress to me, that does indicate, okay, clearly Daryl Morey, I mean, I think we all can agree on this. Daryl Morey did not understand the severity of his tweet. He did it so in a flippantly manner, right? Very cavalier about how he expressed uh, his opinion on something very significant. And obviously that, that rings near and dear to so many millions of people. But then also, especially as a member of a front office, right? You are saying this while NBA American players are abroad without even thinking about, oh my gosh, am I endangering them? So LeBron's stance on that, just that, if we just dissect that one sentence, which for, for whatever reason has been forgotten, I, I feel LeBron on that. I do. The problem is LeBron didn't say that. Or he didn't just say that. He said so much else. And because LeBron is such a huge figure, because this is such a hot button issue, and because the NBA is such a global popular sport, yo, Alex Ovechkin rocks with Vladimir Putin. I've seen this all my timeline all the time. People are like, well, how come 
you know the usual suspects. I ain't gonna say their names because I don't I don't rock with them, right? But the political, the sports people who always like to bash LeBron and social justice warriors and all whatever the fuck. Those people don't say anything about Alex Ovechkin being cool with Vladimir Putin. And I would then respond, the NHL is not as popular as the NBA. That that comes with the territory. You want to brand yourself as this global entity, this global enterprise, this extremely popular sport. You got to take the good with the bad. And when the most pop, one of the most popular athletes in the world says something like that, after an entire year of fighting the quote unquote shut up and dribble mantra, Nah, bro, you and the entire league have to do better. Now, I am not upset with anyone. In fact, I wish LeBron would have just, he said this part during his presser or a scrum, however you want to classify it. He was like, yo, I'm not up to speed on this. I'm not aware. I'm not familiar. Neither are my teammates or my team, my organization on this. Steve Kerr said it last week, and I admire that. People looked at that as a cop-out, and it's not. Like, dog, we got to stop this whole day and age of everybody's an expert on everything. Dog, that shit blows me. And we can talk, we can, we can make it as big as we want. We can make it as big as an international incident with a, a foreign government. Or when on my timeline, I see people who I know know nothing about boxing want to act like experts. And it's part of the reason why you don't hear me talk about a lot of sports that I don't like. I dog, if I got up here and, and, and tried to break down X's and O's about the Nationals run, the, I hope y'all would stop listening to me. I truly do. Okay? We live in a time where everybody feels they are an expert at everything. So we just are surrounded by a bunch of arrogant fools in a sound chamber just regurgitating the same thing. The dog, I hate that. So it is the wise move to be like, dog, I don't know this. And why do we expect African-American men and women or just Americans in general to be to? Why do we equate? Yo, LeBron is so passionate about things that affect people who look like him, right? Because LeBron James spoke out so eloquently and so passionately about some of the things that affect American citizens, particularly black American citizens. But because he does that, he then has to now speak on every single issue, including things that not even the most educated of Americans or most passionate or most, you know, uh, inter- think about it. LeBron James travels the world more so than any of us, okay? More so than any of us. He is more successful than most of us. He has seen things. He has experienced things that the majority of us would never be able to comprehend. Truly. And we are dismissive of this man's intellect because he's like, dog, I don't know about that. Who does? Dog, like the hypocrisy is nuts. We have people who have made millions of dollars in this country just by ignoring or dismissing when black athletes, men and women, are saying, yo, what is happening in black and brown communities are too much. Now, those same people will say, shut up and dribble, or stop talking about politics. You don't know what you're talking about, or ignore them altogether. But the moment LeBron or Steve Kerr or someone else says, you know what, I don't know enough to intelligently speak about something that is happening in China, in China, they're like, oh my gosh, why are you not saying anything? Dog, that question will apply to you too. 
The people who are so adamant about talking about China now, but won't talk about what happened in Fort Worth. And I don't want to mispronounce the lady's name, but y'all know the story. The young woman is playing video games with her nephew in her own home. Her neighbor doesn't even call the emergency line. He calls a non-emergency line to have a wellness check on his neighbor. A police officer shoots into the window without identifying himself as a police officer. Happens in Fort Worth. Nobody's here. No one says anything. An American citizen. But you want to talk about China. All of that shit is nasty. All of it. And y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You feel me? Now, yes, the entire surrounding circumstances about all of this is gross. I don't like how it's being played out. I don't like how the NBA players are having to clean up the mess that Daryl Morey started and the Houston Rockets ownership started. I don't like any of that. I don't like the fact that Adam Silver is the only one who spoke on behalf of the NBA. All of these rich owners who love to talk at every other moment, they're quiet as church mouths. And the only play at the, at the beginning of the season where everybody's going to ask the stars. So, yes, the LeBrons, the Hardens, thank God for Kawhi. Though nobody even knows what Kawhi sounds like. He doesn't say shit. I'm so proud of him because that's how he operates. But it's unfair to all the players who will be asked questions on stuff that, as a 36-year-old man, I don't even know. Who works in news in Washington, D.C., Multiple Emmy award-winning producer. I couldn't even tell you about those things. You feel me? So why would we ask a 24 or 31-year-old guy who's getting ready to start their career? You know, it's, it's just it's just gross. But, right? But when you do speak, dog, you can't say shit like that. Like, I was watching, I watched that, and even though people have taken out some of the important part of LeBron's quote, and I don't, and I, I think that's that's unfortunate because you do need to understand the the entire context of what he's talking about. But LeBron also has to do a better job of expressing himself, and we know the man can. He's a, he's amazing at doing so. Like he didn't need to say anything other than we were in China. It was frightening. My family was worried. I was worried. We were put in a position because of a general manager just flippantly tweeting something. LeBron could have just said that. And they said he was misinformed about the safety concerns of other people. Other people, not just the players. What about the training staff, the coaches, the security? All of these people's lives were disrupted. Their safety was in je- like to some extent. Like every place isn't like America, bro. The one thing that we all need to do is try to travel more. And I know that that's a touchy subject for, for many people. It's something that has come across the timeline many different times. And if you do have the means to travel, it is important to do so because you do start to take things for granted living here in the country. And that's not to say that America is perfect because it is far from it. But there are some privileges that we as Americans do have. Even some of even those of us who are struggling and have a lot of put up against this, though they don't play in China, bro. So I can completely understand LeBron if he's there with his wife or children, or even if he's not in his wife and children, his mother, his family members are calling every day asking if, if things are okay. Like 
They've been riding in the streets all summer long in Hong Kong. The NBA has found themselves, it's so interesting, right? Because for so long, the NBA tried to pit itself as the cooler, the more aware, the more substantive younger brother of the NFL. And what we're seeing now is what we saw in the NFL for years, like just a few years ago. This China issue to the NBA is what, I don't want to say Colin Kaepernick was, I would say what President Trump was to the NFL. Because when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, that was fine. Like people, people were upset and you know, whatever. People didn't want to listen and we get that. But then once the president starts calling NFL players sons of bitches, then it became a bigger thing. Then the entire protest was hijacked. And at every moment, whenever the president tweeted something or said something or an owner said something or tweeted something, it became front page news again. And the NFL was just caught in this kind of rat race, this hamster wheel of just Every time something happened, they would then react, and then it was back at square one again. Until the NFL was just like, dog, we are not talking about this shit anymore. It's over. The president stopped tweeting. The NFL moved on. The NBA needs to take a page out of that playbook. Stop talking about it. Don't force people to not ask questions. Don't remove players. Players, coaches, they could be like, look, that is something. Just be like, look, I don't know. And just stick to that. But the moment you keep talking about it, the more people are going to ask questions. And LeBron, I feel like he was trying to do a solid as the face of the league, right? As a respected member, one of the, the, the predominant, strongest members of the union, right? The most vocal member of the players' union. He was trying to take a leadership position. Unfortunately, it backfired. You feel me? That's unfortunate, but that's what happened. I love LeBron. I love that he's a vocal and an outwardly, uh, he, he, I love the fact that he champions so many causes to so many different things. I love the fact, I don't want to call him an activist, so that's what I'm, I'm struggling with here. But I love that he advocates for so many people. But you can't pick and choose when. You know, it's one of the reasons why, man, I just, I just hope, I hope that we give Colin Kaepernick and we continue to give that man his flowers now. Because he understood his protest could cost him millions of dollars. And although he was able to flip it into a financial gain, I'm not mad at that because he didn't sell himself or anything short of his goals or his integrity short. He didn't do that. He stood by his goals. He stood by his integrity. He stood by his word. And he put action behind it. And that's not to say that LeBron hasn't. But when you walk that line between making money and fighting for a cause, in a capitalist society, you, you oftentimes this becomes the result. You try to straddle a fence and you end up looking foolish. And that's not, you know, again, I love LeBron, but this is not a good look for him. Let's keep it funky. He looked, he sounded crazy. He sounded super crazy the other night when he said that comment. The NBA looks crazy on every level. Everybody. You got an owner who was very quick and very um, swift with his critique of his general manager, he shut up. The general manager hasn't said a word. And they caused a firestorm, and now players have to answer and have to deal with the brunt and the ire of every single person who is, whether you are aware of the situation that's happening in China or maybe you're not. Everybody's now focused on players who are casualties 
in this entire circumstance. And the authority figures are just hiding in, on silence. The players got to realize, bro, this, this, people will ask you this question, but it's not your fight. And if you do want to speak on it, make sure you are aware. But if you do have, you know, if you have business interests that could be impacted by China, man, it's okay just to be like, you know what? Here, here's the thing. You can say, this is a tough situation. I am not, I can speak on things that affect my community because I've lived it. It's easy to then talk about what should or what shouldn't happen, but there is a conflict of interest because number one, I make money over there. And number two, we all benefit from China and their authoritative government. Like, look at your phone. In fact, you don't even have to say anything like that. You could just be like, you know what? I don't want to talk about that. I'm focused on this league. There's so many different ways to handle this one circumstance. And until the NBA learns from the NFL and stop feeding this monster, this this Chinese issue, this Daryl Morey and Houston Rockets issue will not go away. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think about LeBron. Let me know what you think about Cap. Let me know what you think about this issue with China and their protest. All of this is such a large topic. It's a complex topic. But a lot of you all have so much to say. So you know what? You guys have free reign, right? Let me know. If you want to talk about this or something else, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And, of course, leave me a comment. Tell me, tell your friends, tell the whole wide world why you love the Quarterly Report podcast. We're on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Podknife, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit me up, let me know, and leave a note, man. Let everybody know why you are a fan of the Quarterly Report podcast. All right, guys, so that is the third quarter. And, you know, this past week, it was a huge issue for me. Uh, Y'all know I'm a big boxing fan, and my favorite boxer was, it was tragic, really, um... He got himself into a car accident literally days after the biggest fight of his career. It is a story of, it's a, it's a story that's not as tragic as we once thought it was. It's a story that I find very inspiring and also um, a story about perspective and truly maximizing every moment that you have because you never know when it will be your last. The story of Errol Spence Jr. is our fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that Errol Spence Jr. is my favorite boxer currently fighting. And I've been a fan of Spence for, you know, for years now, man. It's been a long time. And this week, earlier last week, I should say, man, it was a, a tragic event that was, you know, luckily, you know, God bless, we we escaped a truly tragic event. But Errol Spence Jr. driving in his hometown of Dallas or a suburb of Dallas, he's driving in a Ferrari without wearing his seatbelt, and his car spins out, does multiple flips. I mean, the video is amazing. It's um, It does take your breath away. He is ejected from the car. And when the news broke middle of last week, I was just, I was heartbroken because 
the news, it was reported that, you know, a uh, significant individual was in critical condition after a severe car accident. And man, Errol Spence is my favorite fighter now. My favorite fighter of all time, one of my favorite athletes of all time, Pernell Whitaker, God bless the dead. He passed um, earlier this year being struck by a car. You know what I mean? So y your mind just starts to race and you're thinking, my goodness, Errol Spence just literally had the year of his career. Like when you look back on 2019 up until last week for Errol Spence, you could not have asked for a better a better calendar year. It is so sad and such a blessing as well. What I mean by that is the story of Errol Spence, you don't need to be a boxer to find inspiration from his story. For years now, Spence has been begging the top fighters at 147 to fight him. With the exception of Terrence Crawford, who was not fighting at welterweight, who just moved up, I want to say last year, maybe the end of two years ago. All of the top guys, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, Adrian Broner, you list the, the list goes on and on and on. Spence wanted to fight these guys for years, and for years, the 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 glamour, you know, the glamour weight class, these top fighters didn't want to give Spence even the didn't even want to consider him. They all said the same thing. Oh man, you know what? He needs to he needs to earn the, the opportunity to fight me. He's got to get in the ring. He's got to deserve and all this other stuff. A door. Multiple doors were shut in Spence's face time and time again. But the beauty, the inspirational part of what happened with Spence is he kept fighting literally and figuratively. He fought his way so much so that he fought Kell Brook, the man who beat Sean Porter for his title. And in dramatic fashion, fighting in Kell Brook's hometown, beat him and got a championship. After years of being told no. Years. Funny, oddly enough, he's told no by the guys who now all of a sudden want to fight him. But they only want to fight him because now he has, he's got the juice. And boy, oh boy, did he show it this year. Because beginning of the year, Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence's first pay-per-view uh, headlining event. And he does damn good. Over 300,000 pay-per-view buys. It has a flawless performance versus Mikey Garcia, who was among the top 10 fighters of pound for pound in the world, in the sport. He shows that he's more than just a puncher, that he absolutely knows how to box, and he silences all of his critics, whether he was a draw or the critics of his uh, skill set in the ring. Literally a masterful performance versus Mikey Garcia among the best boxers that the sport has to offer. And then he finishes, I mean, literally like two and a half, three weeks ago. Fight Sean Porter, his second pay-per-view headlining event. Does better than the first. All of the critics who were like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't really Spence who was a draw. It was Mikey. Mikey brought in the Mexican fans. Well, what do you say to this? Because Spence drew better than his first fight. And Sean Porter is not Mexican. 
okay? And not only does he draw and does he deliver in the box office, he has in what is probably fight of the year. And he gets another championship title, solidifying himself atop the 147 weight class. I mean, you could not, I mean, that's the, do you not find inspiration in that? People will can tell, people will shut doors in your face, will tell you no, will say that you are not deserving, that you can't get this. And he didn't quit, he didn't get down on himself. He was so excellent at what he chose to focus on that the doors could not stay closed. In fact, he didn't even try to open the doors again. He went another direction and now the people who were telling him no are now begging for an opportunity. He not only signified and signaled to the world that he was the best at his weight class, that he's among the best in the world, but now what outside of Canelo, who's clearly the cash cow in the sport, who consistently, and, and Manny Pacquiao, who was a legend, I can't forget him, who consistently draws like Spence. Spence is not even in his prime yet. I mean, you think about all that happened in just one year. It, it took years to get to this point, but 2019 up until last week was such an amazing year for Errol Spence professionally. And just like that, one mistake, one mistake could change it all. Man, when the reports came out, I was thinking, because look, man, the, the reports, they were very dire. It was like, you know what? He is expected to live, but he was in critical. I'm thinking, yo, if you've seen the video, he flies out of the car. The car flips like four or five times. He flies out. He had to be going so fast. He was not buckled in. You know, you're thinking the worst, like, okay, maybe this guy doesn't live, but there's no way he can fight again. And I'm, and I'm so sad, not just because I'm a fan, but just when you think of all the work, all of the energy, all of the time spent with, with a singular focus. I mean, forget the fact that this man is a father, he's a son, you know, whatever he's doing to provide for family and the community. I mean, just, you know, it, it's just heartbreaking all around. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you, you finally got to the point in your career. You finally reached maybe not the, the zenith, not the pinnacle of what you wanted, but you've reached definitely a milestone. And then some odd, however many days later, you're in a hospital, may not ever be able to walk let alone fight again. It was it was heartbreaking, man. I really thought that, yo, I think Spence is 27. 27 years old in boxing. He's just getting started. And his start is just so much greater than everyone else's. I mean, the path for Errol Spence was just, it was clear. And now that, you know, the reports are that he just had suffered several, like, lacerations and chipped tooth. But, like, there's going to be a recovery process. He's not going to just step back into the ring. Like, who knows how this affects him professionally? And it's so sad because he was just embarking on just this great pathway to greatness, truly. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. 
and in an instant, it can all be gone. So the inspirational story, part of the story of Errol Spence is, oh man, people can tell you no, you could be turned down. Everyone can seemingly be against you succeeding. P multiple people, multiple entities can seem like they are joined forces solely to prevent you from reaching a goal. And that's among the fr most frustrating things. I think we all can in some way, shape or form identify with that, where it just feels like everything is against you. And dog, yeah, just being like, dog, I'm done with this. I just don't want to do this anymore. It's a feeling that we've all felt before. We've all been there. And no one will blame you if you're like, dog, this just ain't it. I just don't have it. I'm not, I'm, I surely won't. But when you talk about inspiration, you see it. All the guys who are begging for a title shot now told him no. Told him no over and over and over again. Floyd, before he retired, was like, Keith, Keith Thurman was trying to knock down Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s door. It's like, hey, man, champ, you know, don't fight Andre Berto. Fight me before you retire. And Floyd was like, no, you got to stop running from Arrow. Everybody who saw Earl early on knew like, yo, this guy is special. He's different. And there's always a fighter who looks different, who has a skill set. It's like, you know what? He could be special. But so few of them actually not just meet that expectation, but exceed it. And that's what Spence has done. And that's the inspirational part of the story, bro. Everybody's telling you no, and you don't stop. You you do what you do so well that the same people who are telling you no are begging you for an opportunity. And you have the best year professionally in your career. Spence could be fighter of the year this year. If you think about it, I mean, Andy Ruiz may get it for obvious reasons, but look who, look who Spence beat. Mikey Garcia, first loss. Sean Porter, fighter of the year, unified a championship. I mean, he's among the he's among, he's up there. In New Way is also up going to be up there as well. But then you think about man, how precious life is because literally days after one of the biggest fights that you will ever have, one of the most the most one of the top moments of your professional career, it could have all ended for Spence. And I'm not sizing it. If you've seen the video, you know I'm not. It could have been gone just like that. Man, no matter what we talk about here, man, we talk about the NBA and and LeBron. Or we'll talk about the, like all these things that can come up and, you know, it keeps us distracted or entertained, however you want to look at it. Man, appreciate what you got, Joe, because you never know. You, you truly never know, man. I'm happy for that man. I'm happy for that man's family that he is going to be okay. Who knows what this has taken from him from a professional career, but, but, but beyond that, more importantly, he's alive. He's, he's able to kiss his little girl again. He's able to see his family and tell them that they, he loves them. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure these moments he's kicking himself for not buckling up, man. And, and let this be a lesson, man. Dog, like, I, 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 everyone had this. We all have a vice. It's something. 
I've been thankful that in my years, I'm not addicted to the, the, the rush of living life dangerously, living on the edge. But so many brothers out here, man, they love living dangerously. They love the, the excitement of the extreme sports or the bike motorcycling or, you know, the speed, right? The need for speed and all of these things, man. And it's just like, bro, was it worth it? Life is so precious. So in like the same story, man, you 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 get a a theme of inspiration from Errol Spence of sticking with something, overcoming the odds, believing in yourself, work ethic, the whole nine, everything that you hear as a child growing up, man. If you believe in yourself and if you want something, you can achieve it despite the odds. That's one part of the story of Errol Spence. But now there's another part as well. Man, live your life to the fullest. Another cliche we hear it time and time again, but you truly do not know. Don't think that you're going to be the next guy who can overcome a, a disaster. Everybody everybody can walk off or, or, or walk after a car accident. It's not in the cards for all of us. Everybody can't survive whatever the case, whatever you may be going through right now. Everybody can't do it. Man, thank you, lucky stars, that you are here. Lord knows I am. Lord knows I am. Despite all the, the trials and tribulations, man, we here. You know, let's not let this happen in vain, bro. Because, man, I was devastated when I heard this story last week. I was like, bro, is this for real? Is this literally happening to this man right now? Days after the biggest fight of his career, fight of the year, unified a championship, solidified himself as an up and coming superstar, box office draw. All of the superlatives that you could come up with, man, Spence checked it all. And days later, he's fighting for his life. Man, life is a trip, Joe. Make sure you up there, man, and make sure your head's, your head's on straight, bro. Make sure your eyes are open, your head's on a swivel, man, and you tell the people that you love, you love them. Let them know because nothing is promised, bro, and life is too precious to think things, as we said earlier, for the knowns to be unsaid. Nah, man, don't live like that. Let everybody know, like we said earlier. Don't do, don't just, don't assume just because something is obvious to you that you don't need to say it. Nah, man, let people know, bro. But shout out to Spence, man. This We don't want to end on a sad note, man. This is a great show. It's my last show before vacation. But shout out to Spence, man. He pulled through. They say his, his body is healthy, man. Again, no life-threatening injuries. He should bounce back and have a, a high quality of life. And a lot of people saying he's going to be back in the ring soon enough man but you know the more important thing is man make sure you enjoy your life so shout out to spence glad that a crisis was averted all right man and shout out to y'all man thank you for rocking with me for another episode episode 122 of the quarterly report remember i am on vacation for next week so no new show next tuesday but it's all good there's 122 episodes listen to this dog let me let hey I told you, we started the show talking about how I was wrong. Again, check the tape, baby. I'm right a lot, though. You okay? I'm right a lot. You understand? This, this, 
These podcasts will live forever. It doesn't cost you a thing. If you think I'm lying, you think I'm sizing, man, check me out. Start from episode one and work, work yourself all the way up to this episode 122. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me for this hour plus, hour and a half plus. I appreciate you. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. Let me, let your friends, let the whole world know why you love the Quarterly Report Podcast, man. I appreciate all the comments. And if you want to leave me five stars, I will greatly appreciate that as well. Also, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E show. Let me know your thoughts on Spence, on the Joker, on LeBron, whatever else you want to hear, man. Let me know, man. Your voice is appreciated on this podcast. All right, y'all, man. Say a prayer for me, man. I'm going to say a prayer for y'all. I'm about to fly out, man. I'm about to do my thing with my family and enjoy this vacation. But I will see y'all back here in two weeks with a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report.